The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years, and I'm the baby boomer. And I'm Jason Canander. I'm a freshman at UT Austin, on-air talent for Texas Student TV Sports. I'm the site editor for Gojo Bruna Fansided, and I am Generation Z. We don't always get along, but we do both share a love of sports, and that has always brought us closer together. In this episode, there's something we do get along and agree on. The Bears suck right now. They sure do. The Bears quarterbacks suck right now. Always have. This is just, it It kills me to say this, that they cannot get it right. Yeah. A 5-1 start to the season in 2020 and a five-game losing skid where the offense is horrendous. They bench Mitch Trubisky. They bring in Nick Foles. They sit Nick Foles. They bring back Mitch Trubisky. And it it's horrible, Jason. Yeah. I don't even know. It's so hard to break down because every single part of this offense is really bad. Yeah, well, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't go as far to say every single part. I'd say Allen Robinson has looked really, really good this year. There have been games where David Montgomery has looked good, but the start of the woes is the offensive line. The funniest thing to me was during the Sunday night game when they do the, the replacement for the player intros and they show the pro football focus rankings, four of the five Bears starting offensive linemen have not played enough snaps to qualify to be ranked by pro football focus, which is incredible to me. Now, that is clearly not all of the issue the Bears quarterback woes don't don't just start and finish this year it's been a generational thing in a way and while there were some bright spots from Trubisky the game started to fall apart with the throw into double coverage just made absolutely no sense in in by every stretch of the imagination if you're going to throw a deep ball especially in double coverage I don't know why you're doing it to Darnell Mooney the offense just looked completely out of sorts the first drive was good but when you take away the Montgomery 55 yard run right. what would have happened on that drive right they would have punted they would have they would have turned the ball over it's the offense is, is just all out of sorts and it puts so much pressure on the defense and one of the fundamental sayings in football is that good off a good offense complements great defense and in 2018 the Bears offense was passable it wasn't a great offense but they got the job done and it let the defense grow into one of the best units in Bears franchise history. Now, they still have many of those pieces. They've added pieces, but there's just so much pressure on the defense to where you cannot expect the defense to take up that much of the responsibility when the offense can barely even move the ball past the 50-yard line. I think because there has been so much pressure on the defense and the defense has carried the Bears all season long, they gave up. And it was obvious they gave up. Oh, there, yeah, no effort. There was no effort on tackling in the second half. Uh, they came out completely flat in the second half, which 
just shocks me. More shocking that they came out to start the game so terrible, considering they were coming off of their their bye week. So, yeah. you know, you you point to the quarterback, and you know they're on a national game. They're on the Sunday night football game, and you cringe because Jason, when I covered the Bears for twenty years, it was only Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and then they show on the national broadcast. All the different starting quarterbacks the Bears have had since Green Bay has had two. And I believe the number is like 17. Yeah. You know, it's just horrendous. They can't get it right. The the offense looks lost. Uh, The fact that Matt Nagy said that Mitch Trubisky had a great week of practice makes you now question, not now, everyone's been questioning Matt Nagy, but, you know, his evaluation. And, you know, you either either have two issues going on here. Either you don't know what you're seeing, what constitutes a good practice week for Mitch Trubisky, or you don't know how to carry that over from a practice week into a game with your quarterback. They're in trouble. The coaching staff is in trouble. Uh, the front office is in trouble because you point out the offensive line issues. You know, they spent little or no money on the offensive line, and it's showing. And Ryan Pace has to be in trouble at this point. Yeah. We could be looking at another Christmas package wrapped in black <laughs> when it comes to pink slips at Hallis Hall this year. Well, I have two things to say. First of all, it is easy to look good in practice, especially off a bye week when you have the extra preparation. All that matters is what you do in game. And he couldn't have looked too good in practice considering how flat the entire team looked from kickoff on Sunday night. Now, secondly, the Bears are going to be really, really lucky because we have a great draft for quarterbacks coming up. But my thoughts on that are... It will be a cold day in hell before I support this team trading up to select a quarterback unless you're giving up Khalil Mack and three first-round picks for Trevor Lawrence. Luckily, the Bears should be able to get somebody that they can at least groom into a potential franchise guy. There are five quarterbacks, in my opinion, five to six quarterbacks in this upcoming draft that are quality first-round picks. And when you look at the standings right now, the Bears will be picking somewhere in the teens for however many seasons in a row. And uh, hopefully they'll get somebody good. Hopefully they'll get uh, one of the guys that I really like is Zach Wilson from BYU. The only shot against him is the competition that he's faced, but he has all the intangibles. His tape is amazing. Amazing. He makes plays happen downfield. The biggest issue with Trubisky is not looking past a first read, and when the play collapses, that's it. Some of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, are the guys that are able to audible after the ball has been snapped. They're able to turn nothing into something. And the Bears, as far as I've watched this team, they have not had a quarterback that has come anywhere close to being able to succeed in that area. So they need a playmaker under center. Nick Foles is not a playmaker. He's a game manager. He is not a game changer. I don't even know what you could call Mitch Trubisky. So I think that the Bears, you need to start from the ground up. I agree. Nagy and Pace should be out the door by the end of the season. You need a new quarterback. Luckily, like I said, good draft for quarterbacks, and you just need to completely rebuild the offense. The offensive line is horrible. David Montgomery might not be the guy at running back. Seems like they're not going to extend Allen Robinson. I don't know who's going to come play for the Bears offense after how bad that they've looked for such a long time. So it's just, it is, it, it starts in the front office, but it's really more of a generational issue, in my opinion, because you said in the 20 years that you've covered the Bears, I haven't really had a potent offense. So hopefully something changes this year. But with how weird 2020 has been, I wouldn't put it past the Bears to continue those woes into next year. Their last potent offense was under Mark Trestman. 
And I wouldn't even call that too potent of an offense. That wasn't a team that made the playoffs. Yeah, but they were a potent offense. They could score 21 points a game. Yeah. These teams aren't scoring 21 points a game unless the defense helps them. And the defense isn't even scoring any anything anymore. So I don't know that people can trust Ryan Pace at this point where, with this draft. Um, a lot of very, very big mistakes. And starting with the sure. point at Mitch Trubisky. For sure. Um, Mitch Trubisky is looking at another team next year. Um, very much like someone else we know, or you will get to know, uh, who I covered, who was drafted by the Bears, eventually replaced the starting quarterback, became the starting quarterback, signed a new contract, and then, wham, was traded and let go by the Bears. Hello. Hi, Kyle. It's Peggy Kaczynski in Chicago. How are you? Good. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. I know you're super busy and, you know. No problem. Absolutely. So, Kyle, um, let me ask you, first of all, are, did you just have a birthday, by the way? I did. You did. Happy birthday, did. by the way. Yeah, thank you. Have 38 you ha- years old. 38? Yeah. Why are you not playing in the, the National Football League? You know, Josh McCown's like 41 and he's on a practice squad for the Eagles. Come on. Yeah, I have too much fun chasing my kids around and taking them to school and picking them up. Those are not the best hours to work anymore. Yeah, right. I was going yeah. to ask you that. What are you doing these days? Catch us up and Bears fans on what Kyle Orton has been doing since you retired. You know, I can't keep track when you retired because they kept calling you. Teams kept calling yeah, well, you. My free, my free health insurance just ran out. So five years I've been retired. <laughs> So what have you been doing in those five in these five years? Yeah, we're uh, we we've got two kids, nine and five, and they're active and uh, doing all their things. My daughter likes to ride horses, and uh, she just had her basketball season canceled, unfortunately. But uh, my son made it through uh, his first flag football season, and and uh, they're doing good in school. So that's really where our focus is. I love it that your kids are playing sports. I love it, and especially your daughter. Is she the nine year old? She is. Yeah, I, I love it. So what? how are you as a former professional athlete, as a, a dad with kids playing sports? Are you really hands-on or <clears throat> how do you handle it? No, I think I'm, I'm more hands-off. And, uh, you know, I think my dad was always a good sounding board for me, but wasn't necessarily always my coach. Um, but, boy, these youth sports, uh, that's a whole other topic to talk about. It seems like it's gotten very competitive and uh seems like it's a lot about winning at a very young age so uh i think people should just kind of relax on that topic a little bit i love that you're saying that because i have said the same thing you know a lot of college coaches in all sports have said that they they need kids that have played a lot of different sports so that they're not just great at one sport because then they've never learned how to lose. They they've never learned how to get better at something. And, um, you know, you play one sport, they, they make you declare that sport at such a young age that the kids are burning out. You know, it's, it's yeah. tough. Don't I've you think? Just from, just from my own personal experience. I mean, I was one great baseball player when I was, uh, you know, 10 years old and, you know, I think nowadays they would have had me playing baseball every day and I would have never played football. And, uh, you know, I, I, by the time I was 16, I stunk at baseball and I was pretty good at football. Wow, I love it. Jason, go ahead with Kyle. Okay. 
Um, I want to talk more about the Bears, and I know you said that you haven't really been following the team too much this year, but I'm assuming at the very least you know about the situation with Mitch Trubisky got benched in the third game, and then Nick Foles is a starter, and he hasn't been playing very well. I just I want to hear a little bit of insight from Mitch's perspective because what the sense that I get out of all the four big professional sports, the one position where it matters the most to have the assurance of your team and your coach has to be quarterback. So how much does it affect your mindset and your mentality to be benched, but also needing to stay on your toes and stay ready because as Nick Foles went down injured, Odds are Mitch Trubisky is going to see the field again this year. So how hard is it to stay on your toes and stay competitive and stay locked in when you've been benched and when seemingly you've lost the trust of your teammates and your coaches? Yeah, I think that's probably it. You know, it's uh, you know it's hard to step in that huddle and look at those guys in the eyes and, and not realize that uh, you know when you get benched at that position, you know they've taken that leadership away from you a little bit. They've taken that you know, trust of your teammates away from you a little bit. So, you know, that's a tough position to be in. And I guess really, uh, you know, the only way you can kind of get through it is just battle through it and, and play well. And if you play well, you'll you'll get that trust back really quickly, I would imagine. What does it mean to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears? Obviously, the Bears are one of the most storied franchises in all of pro sports. So is there like a little bit of like an extra added pressure or more pride being under center for the Bears opposed to pretty much any other team in the NFL. Yeah, it's a great, great organization to play for. The The fans treat you, you know, tremendously. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those blue-collar towns that love their football. And, uh, you know, it's uh, certainly an honor to, to play that position when you, get a, when you get to do it. So you were drafted by the Bears fourth round, I believe, if I'm if my memory serves me. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, out of Purdue, um, spent three seasons here. When you replaced Rex Grossman, Rex was injured. When you came in, how did you prepare? How, like you said, you know, you have to be able to look at these guys in the huddle. You have to be prepared, but. What is it specifically that you do in meetings and walkthroughs and practices to be ready because you're not getting the same reps with the same personnel? Right. I guess probably first and foremost, just kind of be yourself. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, it's such a leadership position. You can't fake your way through it. And, uh, you know, you just got to try to be yourself and do it your own way kind of tough when, uh, you know, it's kind of a back and forth situation, um, you know, and, and you have guys kind of breathing down your neck, you know, you kind of feel like you got to do a little bit of everything, but, you know, just be yourself and, uh, you know, lead and, and, you know, don't expect too much out of yourself because, you know, I think it's just an organization that throughout the years is focused on defense and spent most of the money on defense and which is fine. That's a, been a, usually a good model to, uh, to go by and to win. Um, I think I just, you know, go out there and, and, uh, you know, play, uh, you know, play the game based around the team that they have. It's funny that you bring up the defense because we had Olin Krutz on the show. Um, and he said, you know, if throughout his whole career, people would say, what is wrong with the offense? What is wrong with the offense? And he'd say, you know, you're spending Porsche money on the defense and on the defensive line, and then you're going to the used car lot to get your offensive line. So we're trying to figure it out. Is there some kind of trend? Is it just the Bears? Are they they still stuck on 1985 and building around the defense? 
No, you know, I think there's teams that do it. Tennessee seems like they're doing a good job of, you know, running the ball, playing good defense. And then, you know, I do think you always have to have your chance to be able to, if you're going to play that formula, you know, you got to be able to have that receiver that can get down the field so you can take your shots and play action. And, you know, like I said, I don't watch much of the Bears and not to put anybody down, but, you know, they don't have a DeAndre Hopkins or a, or a guy that can go down and, and make those one-on-one catches uh, consistently. I do have one other question there, uh, Jason, before I know you, you have a question for Kyle Orton, who's joining us, but how did you, knowing the defense was, I mean, you were surrounded by some incredible defensive players in that locker room with the Bears, Brian Urlacher, how, how do you get Mike Brown? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah a lot of them. Tell, sure. tell me about that locker room and tell me about the guys that, you know, you had to get not not that you were trying to get them in your corner, but Kyle, I remember how much they liked you. I remember how much the locker room really liked you. And it goes beyond everybody likes the backup. It goes beyond that. Tell me about the guys in the locker room that year and or those years, and and, and how you really earned their trust. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, obviously it started with, uh, you know, I think Lovey Lovey Smith did a great job with the, you know, the the early years, you know, the oh five, oh six, oh seven teams of we were loaded with uh, veteran players, Reuben Brown. Owen Erlocker, Mike Brown, the list went on and on. And I've never seen a coach really just kind of give the reins to uh, to the players as much as, as Levy did. And, and, you know, guys like Brian and Mike Brown really, uh, you know, took that responsibility on, on their shoulders and just really ran an unbelievable locker room and let every guy fit in the way they wanted to fit in. And I guess I found my niche and, uh, you know, like I said, just kind of tried to be myself and, and uh yeah we had a great we had a great locker room we had a great great camaraderie and you know probably won us half of our games you know just being such a tight-knit team back to our conversation with kyle orton in a minute but first have you ever dealt with bunions i have it got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now back to our conversation with former Bears quarterback, Kyle Orton. So before we did the show, I was doing a little bit of research and I noticed like the big, big difference in your stats in Denver and Chicago. So what was the difference between being the quarterback for the Broncos and being quarterback for the Bears? Was it the altitude? Was it just being in a different city? 
change of pace? What What was the difference? What helped you have what were ultimately the best two years of your career? Yeah, you know, I guess I, it was probably more frustrating than anything. You know, I kind of went from a situation in Chicago to where one of won a ton of games. We didn't lose very much, and uh, you know, we'd throw for you know a couple hundred yards and and you know try to squeeze out a touchdown or two, and then. Uh, get traded to Denver and, and you go into a more of an offensive situation, more of an offensive environment. And, uh, you know, like you said, probably had the best couple of years statistically, but, you know, really, really had a hard time winning football games. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance and, um, you know, certainly takes, takes both sides of the football. So I'm assuming then that you would rather throw for like 120 yards and three interceptions and win the game than, 400 yards and four touchdowns and lose the game. So would you say that you're more proud of your time in Chicago than anywhere else because that's where you yeah, spend the most? Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, I loved my time there. I, I never wanted to leave. It was, a, you know, a, certainly a low point in my career when I got traded from there. You know, I kind of going into that offseason kind of thought I was in line to maybe get a new contract and be lined up to be the guy there for a few years. So it was, uh, you know, a Certainly a change in uh, pace and and a, a quick change in my life and uh, you know that, that that's how that league goes. That's interesting because many people are wondering if that's what's going to happen with Mitch Trubisky. You know they they move up in the draft to take him out of North Carolina. It limited limited reps when he was in college. And now there's a lot of speculation that he will be leaving for another team next year. You mentioned that, Kyle, how hard that is when the team that drafts you then lets you go. I mean, how does that happen? How do they, how do they let your agent know? Did you get a phone call? Um, and how, how do you actually get past that? Yeah, I, uh, I was, uh, I think it was just getting known at the grocery store and it was kind of right in that off season to where you shouldn't be getting any phone calls from, uh, from, from Hallis Hall. And I got a call from, from Hallis Hall saying coach wanted to see me. So I, I figured that wasn't a, a great situation. So, uh, you know, there were some rumors going around and I remember talking to my agent probably 24 hours, you know, before the, the phone call and saying, Hey, am I going to get traded here? What's going on? And he says, absolutely not. No chance. Mm. You know, so, uh, yeah, stuff can happen quickly. And, you know, you know, probably the thing that from a personal note, you know, when it, when a trade comes like that and you know, it's not coming from the head coach and you know, it's not coming from, you know, the people that that are on the field with you, you know, that's a, that's a tough situation to, to handle. Do you still keep in touch with any of your former Bears teammates? Uh, yeah, every now and then, you know, I think, uh, I was in that situation that, you know, I'd be in the city for three or four years, make really good friendships. And then, uh, you know, we were off to the next one. So we've got a lot of people that we love to run into and, and, uh, take, take us back to old memories, but you know, not, not many people that we, uh, talk to on a daily basis for sure. How's your golf game? It's getting better. My son's getting pretty good. He's a little five-year-old that hits it good. So We'll play. We'll we'll be playing a lot more a lot more golf the next few years for sure. So, given the choice, and he says to you, Dad, I can't pick between football and golf. What would you tell him? I'd say put them both down. Let's go fly fishing together. (laughs) (laughs) I well, I'm surprised that we didn't catch you. You know, in in your what do they call it when you're hunting in in the tree. Thing. Yeah, I, t- I took a day off for you all today. I, I'm, I'm 
not in the deer stand, and I just got a picture from my phone that the big deer was right underneath my stand. No, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Anything for you, Peggy. Oh, I appreciate it. Hey, Kyle, thank you for catching up with us and allowing us a glimpse back into, you know, it was really <laughs> such a great locker room uh, that I covered with the Bears back then, and it's funny yeah, how no much doubt. history repeats itself in sports, you know, that some of the same situations can go on, and, you know, we see Bears fans going through the same thing with the Bears with uh, the quarterback situation. So before we let you go, any advice for Bears fans who can be so tough uh, on this team, but at the same time can be such a rewarding fan base for the players? Oh, no advice. Keep on doing their thing. They're they're great fans, and certainly uh, when you cheer that hard, you can expect to have a great product on the field, and Hopefully they'll get it soon. Hopefully it'll be this year. Hopefully they'll get it turned around and it'll be this year. A lot of people hope so as well. Kyle, thank you so much for joining. Now, I know you're not on on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or any of those, right? No. I knew it. I love the way you answered that because typically we tell people where they can find these guys. And I wrote on my notes... You won't find Kyle Orton unless you're hunting in the woods or, you know, out on a lake somewhere fishing, right? Find me on a river in Wyoming in the summertime. That's your best best chance. I love it. Kyle, be safe. Be well. Good luck to you and your family. And thank you again for joining us. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. I found that interview very, very interesting. I just think that, um, obviously, as the Bears quarterback, and this is what I'll always say, when you get drafted to play the quarterback position for the Chicago Bears, you take on a sort of responsibility under center that none of the other 31 franchises feel because the Bears, having been in existence for 101 years, after the Super Bowl era, starting in the Super Bowl era in the 1960s, have not had a true franchise quarterback. It's just a new type of pressure, and you could totally see that – Kyle Orton totally felt like he was the guy. Um, seemed a little bit sour that he was mm-hmm. let go by the Bears, and I don't blame him because when you get the new contract, like you said, he thought he was going to be the guy for the next few years, and and he wasn't. And say what you will, I've always been a Jay Cutler supporter, and I think that um, the media, including um, maybe you, a little bit, didn't do Cutler his justice because he statistically is one of the greatest quarterbacks in uh, Bears history. I think he is, actually, yeah. next to Sid Luckman, which would have been a, an entire two generations ago. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I I completely agree with what he was saying. I just think that with the way that the culture is set up in the Chicago Bears franchise, the defense will always be first. And you use the analogy where it looked like the Bears were um, sort of spending money on the Lamborghinis on the defense and then getting the uh, whatever old car you said Mm -hmm. um, on the offense. So I just think that the interview with Kyle Orton totally backed up what we said earlier and where um, the Bears just haven't been able to figure this out for decades after decades after decades. And, and you look at the Orton, when, when Kyle Orton was drafted by the Bears, that is now three administrations ago. Yeah. Three front offices ago. Yeah. And that wasn't that long ago. Yep. Amazing. You have any predictions? I sure do have some predictions. So first and foremost, I am going to say uh, my first prediction, I think that the Cubs and White Sox are going to go in completely different directions this offseason. The White Sox are going to spend big. I think that the Tony La Russa hiring shows that they really are going to go all in to win in the next three years. Say what you will about the revenue loss and about spending big on free agents in this time. The White Sox need to do something. They're right on the cusp of being a true World Series contender. 
Whereas on the Cubs side, I think that we're going to see for the third straight offseason, they're going to be shopping at the dollar store for free agents and uh, maybe a couple surprising trades on the north side. So um, that will be my first prediction. My second prediction, college basketball-wise, I'm going to say that by the time conference play begins, the Illinois Fighting Illini will be the number one team in the country. That team is one of the best well-rounded teams. They have a great schedule. They have games against Baylor, against Villanova, against Gonzaga. Or no, not Villanova. They play Duke and Gonzaga. If they win two of those three, they'll be a top three team in the country. And I don't see them losing up until Big Ten play. So uh, Chicago basketball or Illinois basketball in the entire state has been um, sort of lackluster with the exception of Loyola, Chicago's Final Four appearance. So um, I think that that's my bold prediction for college basketball. The Illini will be number one in the country by the time we hit 2021. One. All right, do you have a third prediction? <laughs> and it it could be what's going to be under the tree on Christmas for you. <laughs> I actually have no idea what I'm going to get for Christmas, but my number, my third prediction is that the Bears will only win one more game the rest of the season. I don't oh. think that they're going to beat Detroit this weekend. I think that they'll beat Jacksonville, but the rest of the way, I think that it's just going to be loss after loss. Hopefully that'll get us a higher draft pick, and maybe we'll get one of the top three quarterbacks of the draft. But a lot of needy teams under center uh, headed into the draft in the spring. So that's my third prediction. Bears will finish 6-10, and 10, which very disappointing. Hopefully that will lead to Nagy being fired, Pace being fired. We'll see a completely new offense and front office and sideline uh, for that matter when the season kicks off next September. So my final thoughts have to do with a lesson I learned during the Lovey Smith era. That was a really, really tough coach to let go because he was very well loved around Hallis Hall. He was loved by the staff, by the McCaskey family, by fellow coaches, definitely by players. Uh, the media, we, we enjoyed Lovey. He could be tough on us, uh, but um, at the same time, when they needed a change just for the sake of change, it's hard as a member of the media to have to talk about that because you're hurting someone's feelings. You're hurting their family. You're hurting the people who love him. And that was very difficult when the Bears let Lovey Smith go. And I know it was very difficult on the family because they truly did love him. And coming off of a double-digit win season to have to say goodbye to a coach like that was tough. Now, I think... The Bears need to take a page out of the Cubs and the Blackhawks' playbooks. They need to dig around for a fresh mind that has already been successful in sports. And I don't care if it's a football mind or not, and I know people would just cringe at that because everybody wants the Theo Epstein of football. Those guys are not available, okay? You need to be creative. They need to completely change their front office like the Bulls did. They need to restructure the front office. And they cannot be afraid to let go of people just because they really like them as a person. Whether it's Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy or Ted Phillips. And with that being said, as Bears fans... It has become embarrassing on national TV the way this team has played. And the last thing you want to happen is to become the Chicago Bulls where you're not relevant anymore. <laughs> That's my final thoughts. 
Our thanks again go to Adam Yoffe. What an incredible job our man has done for us the last two years in getting this podcast going. He's the one who convinced me to do it, and he's the one who makes it sound so good. Thank you, Adam. Our thanks also to Kyle Orton. You're not going to find him on social media. You might just find him in a tree stand or in the woods near you. And don't forget, you can check us out where, Jason? You can check us out on the Barroom Radio Network, home to some of the best Chicago pro football podcasts found on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen, as well as the Barroom Network on YouTube. And don't forget, you can find the podcast website at thesportscasterandherson.com. We are also on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, too. Thank you all for listening. Have a safe and happy holiday. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.